Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Product-Led Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to build a successful product-led strategy for specifically developer audiences. And today, I have here Jenna James, who is the GM at Web Page Test, which was recently acquired by Catchpoints, and she is leading developer-led growth. And so, Gina, could you just share a little bit more about, like, how did you wind up and learn about product-led growth? What got you into this world of PLG in the first place? Thank you so much, Wes. I'm so excited to be here and be part of your podcast. I've been on the other side listening to all the amazing conversations you've had with uh, leaders in the space. So it's an honor to be here on the side. Thank you so much. I have been... So right now I'm at Catchpoint, which is a leading provider of digital experience observability solutions for an end-to-end visibility of you know your applications, your websites, anywhere in the world, up and running, always on. And Catchpoint had this acquisition, uh, made this acquisition about a couple of years back, uh, roughly two years back, around a developer platform and understanding and investing in the developer community with WebPageTest, which is an open source platform, has been around for over a decade and very, very, very loved by the developer community when it comes to providing you know, really solid insights into web performance of your websites across real devices and connections anywhere in the world. And that really helps because at the end of the day, everybody in the business of, you know, if you're if you're a digital, if you have digital experiences, uh, you really want to make sure that your website, your applications are up and running, but also just delivering clean and quality experiences to your users anywhere in the world. So that's what WebHDS does. And that's what Catchpoint. And that's what I'm, uh, I oversee the end-to-end of, you know, across product, uh, marketing, engineering, sales, success, operations of how we can actually bring about developer experiences, plus also upkeep and enhance the overall experience that WebHDesk has had with the developer communities for a while now. And prior to that, I was at another startup also in the digital experience and digital performance monitoring space on real devices. And before that, uh, much of my career has was at uh, Google for over 13 and a half years across ads and publisher businesses and product and, and um, partnerships. And I, towards the end of my career at Google, I was very, very invested in the Google Play, Android, Chrome space. So been in the developer ecosystem space for almost a decade now. So that's where, you know, a lot of the developer conversations come up. Totally. Uh, <laughs> and you mentioned product-led. I want to say product-led is more, it was a personal passion or like interest of mine that led on to also, you know, helping me find professional growth in that space. I majored in economics. I'm a voracious reader of anything that has to do with behavioral economics and why people do what they do and how, you know, how do you create really good habits and sustain them? So anything, any product, any service that I use where I don't have to talk to too many people and actually can get things going. And only when you really need more information is when you start asking for support. Those are like the things that I love and enjoy. And I try to bring that into things that I work on or also with the teams. So product-led growth really started out with, you know, experiences, real world experiences of how do you want people to engage with your product, your service in a way that you don't have to spend hours trying to explain to them why it matters. They get it, they can move on and they come back to you when they want more. And so that's been across Google, across both my startups that I've worked at and continue to keep investing in it. So yeah. 
Yeah. No, I like uh, that you mentioned that connection too between like behavior and like how that all works. Because like at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, we're talking about like product led growth and all this stuff, but it's like, what do we do for our jobs? Like at its core. And it's <laughs> it's like we're changing people's behavior. Uh, we're helping them accomplish something and we're making it easier to do that. So I think like at the core, when you really simplify it, it's like, yeah, okay, that's I can get behind that. <laughs> How do we make oh, it easier yeah. for someone to like see a win in their life and some whether it's for the developer tool or you know it's design or something it's like that's what we're doing. Yeah, that aha moment. I feel like it's that you know we keep talking about mean time to response and respond and all of that. I always talk about mean time to that aha moment. How do you shorten yeah. that gap between uh, when they've experienced your product and when they know that that is what they want and that solves what they're looking for. Totally. Uh, so much so that they bring it into their own day-to-day, but also like start talking about it to their team members and to others in the industry. Like, you know, you made it when you've got that, you know, that virality connection where it's not just helping them, but it's helping people around them. Totally. Now, was webpage test always product-led or was it like more sales-led in the early days? How did that all kind of work? Okay, so webpage test has always been, you know, whether the terminology is product-led or not, it was always something that was open for anybody to yeah. use. So in that sense, the acquisition of users, the engagement, the retention, all of those things were entirely led by the platform and the community. So there's the product aspect of it and then there's the community aspect of it. So WebPageTest has always been open source. It continues to be an open source platform. It's free to use. In fact, everything that has been free for the last so many years have continued to stay free. If anything, we're continuing to enhance that experience and add a lot more, you know, things have changed. Industries evolved, Mm -hmm. digital experiences have evolved. So we've also started, you know, bringing in better and more focused metrics over time, so much so that people can actually get what they want from the platform. And so it's, for the most part, I mean, for all of it, it has been product-led. In fact, it didn't have any sales till the acquisition. So it was completely free. So we literally work on building out that business model and also making sure that it was not at the cost of customer or consumer experiences that people have always had and loved. So we had that interesting task of you want to build more experiences. You also want to build freemium experiences, but you cannot do it at the cost of annoying existing users and the user base that have already grown to love and, you know, enjoy using this platform every day. And so that was a nice balance that we had to like strike at the same time, build out value experiences. So like for open source software, I know this is like the bane of open source, (laughs) which is like, how the heck do we monetize this? Not to mention like, how do we measure success and all that stuff? But like, what was the business model? So like you mentioned before the acquisition, it was just there was no revenue or how did that work? Yeah, so previously, so the founder of WebPageTest was Patrick Meenan. He is now at Google. He's one of the senior uh, engineers there focused on improving the Google Chrome platform. So still, you know, like uh, have has always been invested in the performance space and continues to be invested in that. And so he had this literally sitting at, out of his basement in Washington, which is why when you will see webpagetest.org, the first location that you can test out from is Virginia. It's literally, you know, it's not still yeah. in his basement, but it was in his basement for over a decade. <laughs> and and he built this out with really like, you know, you need servers, you need partner help in different countries. Like how are you going to put up virtual machine or like real devices in certain markets like 
Japan or Ireland. And so he had a lot of like people from the community offered and companies offered to host it so that people could access and run tests on those mm-hmm. devices in those locations. And so it was, it was again, entirely free led by, you know, like provided and commit contributed by the community of developers who really wanted to like have solid rules to improve and, you know, measure web performance. At the same time, it was also, there was no, you know, like he wasn't looking at this as something that he was going to make, you know, like, okay, I'm going to like make money by putting this feature out there, or I'm going to add one more feature. I'm going to like go and make more money. It came to a point where, you know, the future of web page test, it was, you know, we had this really amazing uh, interview with uh, our CEO, Mary and Patrick during the announcement of the acquisition where at some point, like the further investment, the more that we could actually add for giving benefits and value to the community. That was mm-hmm. where Catchpoint came in and got engaged where, you know, like started talking to Patrick and talked about the future of that platform. And so that's where we took uh, where the strength of the premise of that acquisition was and since then, for the last two years, we've been actually working on first, let's make sure that the platform is accessible to everybody, available. Let's keep building on features. And when there are differentiating features or functionalities that could really set the users or who use that tool apart from others, that's where you start bringing in pricing or like models of subscription and other things. And so our first aim was not, let's just put a paywall because it's free yeah. and now everybody loves it. And so let's just mm-hmm. charge. Because if we had done that, yes, maybe we would have made a lot, you know, like instant revenue, but that would not have sustained because at the end of the day, you won't sustain revenue if you just want, you know, if you just put a paywall there and expect everybody's just going to pay because you just love the product. You continue to show value, you continue to show investments and then start differentiating our newer premium offerings and put in, you know, like models and plans and packages in place that help people because there's more that they're getting now uh, mm-hmm. when they start looking at those plans. It's not just I get to run more runs, but I'm actually getting more out of this uh, from some of the experiences that we've launched recently. We've seen that the best testimonials are always somebody on Twitter or LinkedIn posting and saying, I'm so glad that you know, you've launched this feature where I thought this was all going to go crazy when you know the acquisition was announced and you were going to take away things but it looks like you're adding more things and you're still monetizing very effectively. I'm really glad. And that's great to hear from people in the community. Like they're happy that, you know, we've not taken away anything and they are happy to pay for things that they value more. Yeah. Oh, there's so much I want to dig into there as well. So one is like, what kind of acquisition play was this? Was this more so just like, okay, we want the technology and we want the user base and like we see it's growing kind of thing. Was that the main play or was there something else going on there? If you think about it, it's um, catch point, as I mentioned, right? Like uh, we've got solutions in place where our product and offerings are all about providing companies the access to see the end-to-end of where use, how users are engaging with their digital experiences and how that experience is maintained over time, wherever they are, whatever time of the day. Now, if you think about it, that user base, we have the SRE audiences, we have network engineers, we have IT teams. And then there's an entire group of folks who are looking at front-end performance. So mm-hmm. you could either build it in-house or you can actually go to where developers hang out. And at this point, like the most of, you know, like it makes more sense for somebody, you know, like for Catchpoint to actually 
come, you know, for our own existing customer base uh, to be able to provide that kind of, you know, for everybody in your company who is focused on improving web performance and digital experience, we're here. We have these solutions and we can actually help you connect this. And it's not siloed sitting in different systems, um, but they're actually available to you in one place. So it was more about, you know, like the audience and the companies are Catchpoint customers as well. And, you know, prospects. So at the end of the day, like, they're there. It's just that it's a different audience. It's a different role that that particular user plays. And But they're all in the service of improving the website or the app or the digital experience, right? So totally. in some ways, it was more of like, how can we provide that, not just end-to-end visibility of your digital experience, but how can we help every member of your engineering team to be really good and equip them with the right information and tools? And at that point, it was... Well, developers are a great audience and they come, they are so uh, influential in some of these decisions at the end of the day, you know, even in a traditional like uh, sales led model, when you have a proof of concept and it's uh, everybody asks you for a free trial or a free proof of concept for the person or the group of people who actually end up using the platform during that trial period is your end user. And we often don't realize that they actually have a lot more to say than what the SVP of the company has to say or the, you know, like the CTO may have to say. And so it's important to hear that end user and the end users are, you know, for us, it's our developer audience. They are directly involved in what tools they use, how they improve their lives in terms of like how they work and how they get information to improve their website and how to monitor over time. And so that's our, to answer your question, it's neither. It's more around, we have a mission that has to do with providing end-to-end visibility. And we wanted to do it for all the engineering teams. That was a space that we felt investing in there, uh, in that space and building out that offering and yeah. making it robust makes it so much more amenable for companies to think about it across their teams rather than just my one department gets this tool, another department gets another tool. Oh, yeah, totally. And so how do you kind of decide, like, moving forward, post-acquisition too, like, what are some of those things that you give away for free versus, like, what are some of those things that, you know what, this should be, like, a part of the the paid product or we do, like, pay wallet? Because there is always that fine balance between, like, yeah, prioritizing user growth as well. And, like, okay, we do have a business. So we do have to make money some way. Or maybe with the acquisition, it wasn't, like, the intention of it. Is like monetized right away, but how do you think about that for what to gate for actually for paid stuff and what to give away for free? I actually have two examples of it from two different point, you know, kind of setups. Yeah. Uh, one is where you know with webpage test, there was already a free solution. This is entirely like everything you you and I can get on webpage test right now without any email ID, without anything. You can actually start just. It's as intuitive as like, you see that box over there, all you have to do is enter a URL and hit start test, decide which country or which location you want to test from. So, and hit start test and you get your aha moment with the kind of insights that we can provide. So that's already free. So the conversations there, the decisions there, the strategy there had to do with, don't take away things that are already part of somebody's day-to-day habit, Mm -hmm. unless there's a good enough reason to do so. On the other hand, things that we want to add are we discuss, we decide, but we don't take months or years to figure out, okay, fine, this new bright idea that somebody has 
that has to be paywall because it's so good. Even for those things, we mm-hmm. actually talk about, well, is this going to help our user understand our product even more? Yeah. And at some point, will they actually understand that this is giving them amazing value and anything more is obviously at a, you know, at a cost because the value there is so high. And that's the decision that we make. So as recent as yesterday, we we just launched one, you know, we have a premium feature that we announced as part of WebPages Pro, uh, which is you basically experiment, zero code, run an experiment, make certain changes without touching the code on your page and see the impact of that change in terms of how, you know, is your site faster? Is it more mm-hmm. usable, more resilient? And a whole bunch of other speed-related and other performance-related metrics. We opened up an experiment for free because that particular section was all about BYOE, bring your own, like kind of like Mm -hmm. create your own experiment. And we opened up that for free because it makes more sense for people to just really try out what it is before they realize, okay, this is helpful. I want to run a lot of runs. So now it makes sense to purchase. But like at the first, it's all about like, well, how do they understand what it is without even trying it out? And so we opened up that and that was just, you know, it took probably a few days. And our developers who, our developer teams, experience engineering team, our developers who are building for developers, they came from the community. So they understand the pulse really well. And so that really worked out because the community has responded. They love it. They, they're seeing the benefits out of it. They're talking about it to others. People are asking questions on LinkedIn and Twitter. So it's great to see that engagement. The other example is that of you know my previous startup where it was entirely enterprise-led and we wanted to create a self-serve experience. So now you have custom enterprise solutions that have worked for your customers who are mm-hmm. paying, ARR, all of that. But you now have to create a lighter version of your product. So sometimes it gets confused with product-led is just make a lighter version of your product and then mm-hmm. give it for free and suddenly it works. Yes. The light is not light. Yes, you know the approach we did there was, okay, we support X amount of locations in total. But maybe for this particular experience, we don't really, we need enough for people to understand what they get out of the system and the platform so they know that they can actually expand with it. And so the strategy there was, let's create a self-serve version, which is frictionless. People can access the devices immediately. Just do it for a few countries, maybe two or three countries and Mm -hmm. a few devices to show diversity. Give all the features with it. Don't keep away any of the, you know, the premium features. And you can probably put like numbers. And that has been experimented over time. Like how many runs do you give for free or how many tests can you run for free? Things like that, that constantly keep getting experimented and, you know, made changes to. But the whole premise of it was platform can support, you know, at its enterprise level, 100 countries. Why not just limit it to like, say, two to three countries and provide the same level of experience and exposure so that people can at least understand, engage, and then if they want more, they mm-hmm. talk to you. Got it. Yeah, no, I like that the idea of like a simple test, especially for some of those enterprise companies, because it is like it can take them a really, really long time to set all of that infrastructure up. Was there anything specific that you did to like set up some of those quick tests where you targeted just countries and then like, okay, we'll limit this feature or that feature, or maybe not um, so much the features, but the limits of them? So for my previous kind of uh, startup, what we did was we limited the countries. So if you think of it as a limit, it is a limit. 
what, what I tried to do and position it was it's a new offering. I mean, it's a diver, it's a mm-hmm. it's a shoot, offshoot of an offering. There is one offering that is custom and enterprise, and there's a sales-led motion for that. Another one that we want to introduce is that of an experience on the same platform, just with fewer devices, fewer countries. Very strategic because they have to give you, like, you cannot go to, say, for example, an India market and talk to some of the top e-commerce companies out there and tell them, hey, I have a free experience, but the country is just US. I mean, they won't care. So you'd have to decide, like, for the vast majority of, like, the, you know, the target market and the audience that you're going after, those sites or those applications in this example, they're only available in certain markets. So if you don't have those markets for free, then you're only trying to show what the what the insights of the platform can give you, but not the reach. And so we strategically picked certain cities, countries, and certain features that were not included were those that were actually complex to set up because you would require uh, you know, some sort of installation of an SDK or you'd have to like put a cookie on the page. So that's more a little bit more friction because if your audience is, say, for example, a QA team, they may not have access to touch the code on the site. So then they'll have to talk to 10 other teams to try and get something onto the code to test. Yeah. So if you are, if you, those specific features were not part of the lighter experience, but the lighter experience was by no means, uh, what do you call it, a regressed experience or a second class citizen of sorts. It was as <laughs> compelling as the, yeah. first, you know, the primary experience. It's just that, do you really need to like see that you can test across 100 countries when you can actually figure it out with, one or two countries that matter to you and you've got enough information to know that this platform can actually make it work. Or totally. And how was the success of that experiment? So you tried it out with like a couple of countries and then how did it look like? Because it sounds like they still had to reach out to sales and then uh, they were able to purchase it and get into the product. Well, they were already in the product, but to expand the rest of the usage. It didn't have to reach out to So there was a lot of uh, awareness conversations and like marketing uh, around, yeah. you know, this is the offering. And uh, it, was star- it started out with like folks who wanted proof of concept. So mm-hmm. starting to offer that in those areas and stepping away. Because if you have a proof of concept and then you have customer success, technical services, all of the teams that you would otherwise have for a full-fledged uh, you know, customer onboarding, if you have that at proof of concept, you've not really, the cost of acquisition continues on including into the proof of concept period. Yeah. If you think it's done as soon as somebody signs up, it's not. It continues on till they've actually been onboarded and activated, right? And so... We stepped away from that and we actually let them use the platform. That was a good learning for us because we had to figure out if that platform was actually self-service. You know, yeah. is it does it really need a lot of handholding? So we use that as a mechanism to figure out if that was even helpful. And then a lot had to be put into that was not a developer community-oriented one. So we had to put in a lot more of marketing and awareness discussions with web page test. We launch features. Sometimes I learn about it after it's been posted on Twitter. Like it's amazing because mm-hmm. the audience is, for us, our audience is on Twitter. Our developer audience is on Twitter. It's uh, They're on Reddit. They're on Stack Overflow. Like they're across different communities and they don't necessarily all have to be part of only web performance. They can also be part of other networks and framework communities and other developer communities. So a lot of that awareness today for whatever we launch and whatever we do, we share it back with the community and then the community starts spreading it amongst themselves. So that fuels a lot of awareness and visibility into what we are launching. And apart from that, 
our teams are constantly thinking about in the product itself, how do you inform that something new has been added or something different can be done from, you know, they might have finished a test and there is something more that they can learn from. And how do you like show up over there? Because it's in the product and in the product understanding user onboarding as well as just continuous engagement. Totally. Now, how do you leverage community for not just like your product, but really to, to grow your business? Because like, I'm just hearing again and again and again, I'm like, yes, <laughs> there's the community and you're like, have that ears down, always listen to the community in so many great ways. Like whether it's like, okay, we launched a new feature, we're listening to be like, okay, what's the response when everything else it's like, how are you thinking about community as like a core pillar of like your strategy as a business? Okay. So it's interesting you say that because I feel like the word community is such a loaded term. Totally. Now. Everyone the has word, a community. Uh, oh yeah. Like uh, when <laughs> I can tell you, we have a solid head of community. Somebody who came from the developer community who loves web page test, who's a self-taught, you know, like web performance yeah. uh, developer and kind of, you know, like, has made it his life's mission to kind of really be invested in anything that's happening in web performance or in developer space. So we made a conscious decision to bring on board uh, someone from the community uh, mm-hmm. to come and head up. I can tell you like leading up to that, I spoke to so many different people during hiring for that role. And one of the things that I see, and it's actually a shortcoming as well, is a lot of people will tell you that they head up community or they are community experts. And then when you dig in a little bit more, you realize they're actually customer advocates. And the community is the number of people who bought the product. Yeah. So that means community is community of like, say, if you have a thousand buyers or 10,000 customers, your community is 10,000. Mm-hmm. Whereas for us, our community is not limited by the number of people. In fact, it's not even limited by the number of people who use our product or platform. We actually look at community as anybody in the world who is really invested in figuring out what tools and metrics they need to look at and improve tips, insights to improve performance on the website. You could be a marketer, you could be a designer, you could be a performance evangelist, you could be a consultant, a freelancer who's helping other companies. You can be a large consulting company that is offering their services to many other companies. So the community is much larger than just the consumers who come to the site to run web page test for free and much larger than maybe the people who purchase at the end of the day in any platform. And so there are those three C's. It's community, consumer, and customer. If you don't define them properly, you won't actually see the changes over time. You won't see that. So some of the things, and this is not a perfect science you know, there are so many tools and platforms out there that tell you how to measure certain conversion rates and attribution and all. We don't have that, to be honest. For it, it would be great if we could, you know, create something for developer-focused audiences or community-driven audiences because engagement happens across Twitter, across forums, across Slack channels, across, you know, your customer support platform that you might be using on Discord, uh, on Discourse, on. Stack Overflow, and then also on GitHub or any sort of, you know, like, uh, and, you know, engine that you're using for pushing code live. And especially in an open source platform, some of these things are like all, there's no one answer, one place that people reach out to. And so measuring the engagement across all of them is 
pretty hard. And sometimes you you just have to take a step back and say, does it all matter? Like, do you really have to measure everything and every aspect of everything? Or can we look at like larger themes, like communities live and kicking? If it's say, for example, for an open source platform, it's open source. Anyone can contribute. Mm-hmm. But if nobody has contributed in the last few months, something's going on. Yeah. That means people are not invested or they're just, or they could just be happy. Whatever you're pushing live is perfect for them and they don't need to do anything about it. But if they've got opinions and they've got point of views and they're writing or they're sharing feedback or they're creating issues like, you know, on GitHub yeah. or anywhere else that you are asking for feedback or not, if people are, they're alive and kicking, the community is alive and kicking. If there's an opinion and if there's a point of view, then it's live. How do you measure that? We, you can do things like how many, you know, how many contributions have come from the community. If it's open source, are they building integrations? Are they, how many forks have been made of your open source? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many of them are active? Is there, are there private instances that people are building out on or building on top of? How many features have they contributed to? How many have they created in terms of integrations that have helped more people like kind of get engaged. There are ways to actually figure that out and not looking at that and only focused on say, how many people bought my product? How much revenue have I made? How much churn am I seeing? If you only look at those business metrics, you'll miss out this entire qualitative data that is so strong to know that you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And I think uh, in business too, not just for decision-making, but I've been reading a lot about, um, if you've heard of this, multi-braining. And there's some fun research on like, oh, we actually have three brains. Uh, there's like the head brain, which helps you understand how. And like, it's really good with the numbers, the logic. And then there's your heart brain, which is really good for understanding like, you know what? does this feel right? Like, what should we really make a decision here on that part? And then there's your gut, which is like, okay, there's the courage to like make the decision on like, okay, limited data, limited <laughs> like heart feel here too. What should we do? It is like consult the gut. So I think there is some things you totally nailed it, especially with community where it's like, yeah, you won't always have those numbers. But one of the things I'll point out here that I love is... It's not so much about like, okay, we have this one place, all our customers aggregate here and like this is our community. It's like, no, it's like communities where the people are. It's like if they're there on GitHub, if they're there on Stack Overflow, if they're there on like some other place, you meet them where they are. And it's it's inclusive. It's like just trying to be the best advocates of them. And so yeah, no, totally makes a ton of sense. You won't oh, yeah. always have that ROI, but I love how you also promote the yeah, best kind of advocates as like the head of community. I think that's a really great strategy for any other companies that are listening. Or like, how do you do this? And it's like, well, find the people who are already doing this really, really well because they're the best role models to kind of lead this initiative. That's so true. In fact, uh, along with the head of community, before that, we actually had, we established our developer experience engineering group. I mean, yes, engineering team with engineers could be that, but we really like, focused on calling that developer experience engineering and we hired people from the community. It was very important for us that people who are building out these experiences have personally gone through the challenges, would have mm-hmm. personally contributed to the platform as well. And when they're sharing, it's you know it's great to see like they're sharing what they think um, can help which resonates really well with the community or with the other experts out there as well. And so it feels always like 
you know, something that others would have brought up that we are quick enough to like launch. And then you get that added, you know, oh, this is great. They're listening to me and they're making changes and they're telling me that they made the change. And that goes a really long way. There's the other aspect of it. It's having a community doesn't, you know, just because we do say if you have a developer event every year or like something that's just events focused or meetups oriented and then you have a community, that's one method and channel of engaging with your community. It's not the definition of community. So that's also another, you know, very important distinction because I remember I was in a couple of years back, I was consulting, uh, providing some advice to a hardware uh, phone, the device manufacturer who wanted to build out a community. And I spent a lot of time trying to explain to them that how just having an annual event is not enough. Uh, because they were pretty sure and convinced that if you have an annual event and if you give them a lot of swag and people just show up, they'll all be happy. And then we have a community and like community so much more before, during and after an event is one way that you show up, but it's not the only thing. And so don't check the boxes of just, I've done events, I've done these and I've done that. And so now I have a community. You have a community when they speak when they share, it's bi-directional. It's not one way where you tell people what to do, but they tell you and you're ready to make changes if it makes sense. Really? What are some of the impacts you've seen of really like doubling down on community from a business standpoint for some of the skeptics here? (laughs) Uh, Well, first of all, there are more days where I get emails and my team gets emails around hey, I'm I'm trying to use this feature because somebody in this company recommended I should try your platform. Can you tell me a little bit more? That's the best. Because that's why, I mean, again, we can spend all our time and effort to go and try and, you know, do as many demos as possible, as many, you know, events and as many sales pitches. But at the end of the day, like when you get inbound requests where people are talking to you about how they read about you somewhere or someone they're working with are telling you, to use your platform, you know, okay, the word is spreading, it is happening. And if it happens to come from companies that you have, you know, maybe it's part of your target audience and market and strategy, even better. So there's that. I mean, I'm not sure if that fully answers what you were looking for, but that's like one kind of example of are you doing the right things? Because people are asking you about it and they're telling you that they came referred that you came, uh, you were referred to by one of the providers that they work with. The other is just watching and observing how people are engaging with your platform because we we pay a close attention into like how often are people coming back? What are they, you know, like obviously within all the, you know, data privacy restrictions and law policies out there. So we're, this doesn't get shared back to anybody, but we observe what are people doing across how often are they running certain things. We may have launched a bunch of new features, but if no one is looking at it, then it makes, we have to review that. We have to look and make sure, you know, we we have to check in again every two, three weeks to make sure that, hey, we're not seeing traction, but we did launch something that people said they like. Is it because it's not easy to understand or is it because this is not necessary anymore? So that's also a really big part of like, you know, just observing how people are engaging with your platform, observing how people are talking. The other is actually my personal favorite is, and we've talked about this in our team as well. We love it when our our engineering team launches a certain set of features. We know why we've launched it. We know what it's going to help. 
we may have talked about it publicly most likely we wouldn't have shared you know every detail of it because it's just launched and we're going to like have our message shortly after and then somebody goes on linkedin or twitter and writes up this massive post on why they think this is a great feature and every point of what we wanted to say is what is being said and that's amazing because those are the best uh, they're not testimonials they're like okay you get it like it's not just me in my head trying to think about the sol- yeah. problem or my you know our teams trying to solve the problem but it actually solves for those folks uh, so that's that's been really really helpful because there are people outside of your company telling you exactly what they think this product or feature is about and it checks all the boxes of what you wanted to say in the first place and that's that that happens i mean i can send you exam these are all like amazing yeah. examples from the community and the other part is i didn't mention i forgot to mention this one thing that we're also not just the tools the features the experiences we're also talking a lot about learn and upskilling and sharing you know kind of a more uh here are some things that you can pay attention to when you're looking at web performance and more from a learn and share an education perspective rather than just five things you can take care of when you're looking at your site more than that just like theories and practical experiences behind some of these so we launched a free certification course uh, recently they, that was refreshed by one of our uh, lead engineers on the team Scott Gell he had developed this course before he joined the company he came on board and uh, we brought in the course in house and he refreshed it and we launched it a couple of weeks back and we've got some massive engagement even from people who have been in the space for years they still find something valuable in that course and they're learning reading and they're sharing it back with hey this is what i learned and one of them recently posted saying and this is so heartwarming uh, because like i took the course during the weekend and i already made some of the changes and my speed uh, my page performance has improved by x with a screenshot mm-hmm. and i'm staring at it and i'm like wow okay this is great <laughs> let's do something about this because it's not just people taking the course but they're actually like putting it into practice so continuous investment in that learning learning from the community but also sharing it back are also ways in which we were showing up and continue to show up every day yeah i love that and i think it all kind of ties back to like what is your overarching vision and mission as a business because it's like okay if it is really to help people uh, really succeed in this one particular area yes product is a way to get there. <laughs> and it's not always the only way. Like there's the knowledge gaps too, where it's like, oh, like if you didn't know how to do this specific thing to make your site faster, like that's actually what the course is for. We can tell you what's wrong, but like how to fix it. That's the other part that, you know, is the part of the equation. If you don't have all the other variables, it's like you're only going to be like 10% as successful <laughs> in some cases. Uh, whereas you get all the solution, you understand the full picture. And then you have the community to get support too, wherever you get stuck as well. You are providing truly like a holistic solution, which I think a lot of maybe short-sighted like companies do miss out on a lot of those bigger long-term opportunities because they're just thinking like, well, let's think product first. And it's like, oh yeah, but like there's a lot more there too. And a lot of developer-specific tools. One of the most common things I always hear is like, this thing requires a lot of skill. <laughs> 
to learn how to even just use it. And then you get the like really big benefits of it. So there's always going to be a learning curve for a lot of products. But like, how do you really deal with that and level people up beyond just the product? Yeah, I mean, this aspect of PLG that I think is more, we talk about like, it's it's acquisition, engagement, onboarding, activation, onboarding, all of that, right? And throughout the life cycle of that user in the product. PLG doesn't have to always start at that point. It also is like, you are, you know, it's an enterprise only platform. It requires a little bit of onboarding. But once you are settled in, there are ways in which you can continue to engage with the user, help them find more insights into what they are looking to solve without having too much of, you know, like you don't need a weekly meeting with the account every week to like actually keep talking about the features. The best experiences are where they've discovered it on their own because it was when they were looking for it in the platform and not hidden behind some, you know, like classic view, simplified view, this, that, whatnot. Like it's not hidden in any way. It's when they are looking for it. So there's that that balance of like, you know, PLG can start with giving people access, frictionless experience to experience your product or your platform or your tool, and then get into, you know, like deciding whether this is the product for them and purchase. It also is continuing on after where, and it can even start for some companies, it can start after it doesn't have to start before it can be after someone has already onboarded and been set up the amount of support that one has to give for getting them up to speed with every little feature and we all know like if you know the best learning we have or the education or the things that we learn are when we are in trouble or when we are looking for the answer and we're looking for it if you spoon feed everything at the beginning no one's going to retain it you got to have like refreshers or you have to have it when they're looking for that information. And so that's been super kind of, you know, like very important to actually keep in mind as well, because you're right. Like at the end of the day, when you run a test, I'm saying it's an aha moment because it gives you everything. Who you? Like, who's this you? Is it a front-end developer who gets it when they see the words DBT, LCP, MCP? They get it. Or is it, say, a marketer who's trying to figure out if I put this tag on my page, will it improve my web performance or decrease it? Or somebody else, like a designer, trying to you know make sure that the font that they're uploading does not mess up the performance of the page. And for each of these audiences, they all take the insights differently. Mm-hmm. And so the vision, I mean, at the end of the day, the person who's running that test is part of either a you know, if you're a professional consultant, you're actually in service of helping someone else or you're in the service of helping your own company's website improve. So if you are in that, you also have other people interested in that insight. So how are you going to like bring in more people from your team to understand it and start using it and then start looking at like, what are the other things? Because now that you've learned all these things are good, bad or not good, how do you fix it? So what? Now what? And that's where we started uh, looking at our insights to make them more actionable, which is where we launched uh, the zero code experiments. Don't make any change on your code. Try fixing something, run it in a zero code environment and see the impact. If it is helping you, then go spend time and cycles in fixing it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. don't waste your time. And that was also very, that, that was adopted by everybody, not just the developers, but others in the same company who started writing about hey, now this saves me cycles of, you know, trying to go and tell my developer team to go fix things because I can now cut short all of that back and forth and just tell them the things that would make more sense. 
So the overall arching, it's not about that one user. It's also how, what does what does that one user really do with the information? Who do they share it with? How do they bring others into the same? You know, I'm looking at this metric. You're looking at the same metric. We're looking at the same green apple to green apple and not like random, you know, things. And that helps give everybody the same language, the same content to talk about and then go fix things rather than, hey, one tool gave me this result and the other tool gave me another thing. So which one do I like pick? For sure. Awesome. This has been great, Gina. And what we wrap up to, where can people learn more about what you're up to? Me or our company? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for web page test, it's straightforward web page test one word.org. Just go try it out. Catchpoint.com is the company and you have a whole bunch, you know, like a lot of really, really compelling and state-of-the-art uh, offering product solutions for making sure that your website and your applications are up and running all the time. So that's where you can learn. And then of course we have our own, uh, we have Twitter, we are on Twitter, we're on uh, LinkedIn. We have a Slack performance group. So happy to share that with you after you know this call. And uh, for me, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Gina, J-E-N-A, uh, James. You'll connect with me if there's anything I can ever help with. I'm always up for a chat. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Gina. Thank you so much, Wes. It was great. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, We will definitely create more content just like this episode. And if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing.